just want to, over the, over the last few weeks, um, obviously there's been a lot happening for uh, my life and Nicole's life in regards to uh, the callings of God on our life and in regards to the Vineyard Movement here in Australia. And uh, we're very excited about that, not just for us, but we're very excited for us as a local church and how God has, um, he, he really has this great idea in his heart that this powerhouse of a group of people <laughs> in the Holy Spirit can serve a nation. And so we're going to talk some more about that as we go. Um, but just for the now, um, wanted to say uh, on behalf of Nicole and myself, thanks for the prayer um, and the encouragement. We are getting like completely loaded with communications from all over the earth right now with people from all over the planet where the Vineyard family is just sending in their love, their words of encouragement and their prayer for us as individuals and for us as a local church because it's a big deal, you know. God's not just um, um, inviting Nicole and I into a greater season of leadership and influence in the nation. He's inviting us as the people of Vineyard Pine Rivers into that journey as well. And it's really important that you understand that. The only reason why we find ourselves where we are, as Nicole and I, as we have sought to just um, steward the calling of God on our life, we find ourselves in this place because the people of Jesus at Vineyard Pine Rivers have continued to encourage us in that and walk with us in that. And so you guys are an important part of this story. And I just want to say thanks for your prayers. Lots going on. A lot is going on. And between now and June, <laughs> I'm not, we're not meant to start this until June 1, but we've been um, transitioning all that sort of stuff. <laughs> it's already on the go. It's happening. It's like it's happening. And so we're trying to keep up with it at the moment. And um, so we just would really, you know what Nick and I would really value right now? is just that you would pray that the Lord would help us to reorder our life. Because um, it's now another, another dynamic of um, life and service that we're, we're bringing into the mix of our life as we know it. It means we have to change and reprioritize a whole bunch of the way we do life as, a, as an immediate family unit as well as for us here at Vineyard Pine Rivers. And so we would just really covet your prayer that the Lord would help us to reorder our life under the leading of the Holy Spirit in this season. We, we, we would really value that if you could pray like that for us. And also for you know the elders and the leadership team here at the Vineyard, we're now in an interesting phase of there's a lot of transition taking place. And so, um, so we've got to, as a team, figure out, okay, Lord, how do we do what we've, you're asking us to do with all of the, the pieces moving around a little bit and people playing different roles and, and serving in different ways. And so we're, we're asking that the Holy Spirit would show us the way and the who and the how and all of that so that we can just continue to glorify God and build his kingdom through Vineyard Pine Rivers. So um, again, just want to say thank you for praying 
and um, bear with us over the next couple of months as we try and get all this settled and sorted. <laughs> It'll take a bit, but we'll get there. We know we will. Alrighty, this morning I want to um, talk a little bit about love and uh, the nature of love and the kingdom of God. Uh, this year has already got underway very quickly and um, God is moving us all as individuals into his kingdom plans and purposes and we'll be talking more actually on February 28 about what we sense is God's um, heartfelt agenda for us as a local church this year. We'll talk more about that in February 28. But even as the, as, as the year is already kicking off, um, I really feel like God's asking us to do the, you know, work, the, the heart work so that the soil is good and ready to receive what it is the Lord wants to put in us so that it could find good ground and spring to life and bear fruit. Bear fruit, okay? We want to be a fruit-bearing people. So keep, keep on working on the heart stuff. And that's where I want to kind of zero in a little bit more this morning in preparation for what the Holy Spirit's doing through us as a people this year. Now, I was, um, I was listening to a guy do some teaching during the week and he used this great illustration um, from, um, you know, the cartoon series Peanuts, Charlie Brown? Um, well, there's this cartoon strip where, where, where Charlie Brown walks up to Lucy. And, you know, Lucy, she's kind of like, she's pretty sharp around the edges, old Lucy, <laughs> you know, as a character. And Lucy's standing there in the middle of the field with her arms folded and a big frown on her face. And Charlie Brown walks up to her and says, um, Lucy, you, you know, Charlie's so innocent, Charlie Brown. <laughs> he just says it as he sees it. He says, Lucy, you, you need to unfold your arms and you need to stop frowning and you just need to start loving the world more. You know, so Charlie Brown's making all these assumptions about why Lucy's like this. And so Lucy, her reply to Charlie Brown is that she just... She clocks him on the head, on top of the head, and knocks him to the grass. And she says, Charlie Brown, <laughs> she says, Charlie Brown, I, it's not the world. I love the world. It's just the people I can't stand. I mean, hello. <laughs> when I was listening to that, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, Lord. You're sort of pushing a button there. You know, it's, it's one the thing to say, oh, yeah, we... We want, as Jesus people, we want to love the world. But to, to say we want to love the world is to say that we want to love people. Full well knowing that a lot of the time, people is hard to love. People is hard to love. And um, I don't know if it's just your experience but, or mine, but I, I do know that the more um, I've given myself to wanting to follow Jesus the more he invites me into circumstances and situations to expand the reality of who he is through me to others. Expand the reality of his kingdom through me towards others. In other, and so he often will put me with relationships, be they working relationships or even just family relationships 
and even in the context of the life of the church, we're in relationships where God says, I want you to love that person there. And a lot of the time, these are probably not people that we would choose to love. But that's irrespective of the fact that God wants them loved. And so I want to talk a little bit this morning about how God is calling us into a way of kingdom life. Now there's this little quiet scripture in John 13 that a lot of people miss and um, and it's, it's, it's at the back end of just before Jesus goes to the cross and, and it says, John says, and now Jesus showed them the full extent of his love and he sat with his disciples, his, his, um, his disciples, his apprentices, he sat with them and then Jesus disrobes and he takes the, the role of the servant and he washes their feet and at first there's all sorts of reaction <laughs> and um and jesus said no you've you got to let me do this you've got to let me love you like this and then at the very end of john 13 after jesus has gone and washed his disciples feet john records these words in 1334 jesus said a new commandment I give you. Now this is really important. Because up until this point, the only commandments that have been in place have been those of the Mosaic law, which is to love God with all your heart, with all your mind and all your strength. And your neighbour as yourself. And now Jesus comes along and he says, Listen. New commandment I give you. And he says there, Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now there's no caveat on the word must. There's no little asterisk in the text that sort of says, Oh, must means sometimes, or this is negotiable, or only if you feel like it or no Jesus saying love one another stop full stop it's a commandment it's not a request it's a commandment and so the concept here is imagine if you are um, a um, like an army soldier and you've got some rank and so you have soldiers under you. When you give a command, the soldier's role is not to question the command. The soldier's role is to what the command? Obey the command. This is, this is the nature of what Jesus is doing here. He's giving a command. And the way... The, the, now he's dropped it on them in the context of being a servant. He's not dropping it on them from the context of being up here, exercising downward authority. He's placed himself as, the, as their servant king. And it's in that context, from that place, he's saying, here's, here's the deal. Love one another. 
full stop. It's a command. So the, the invitation there in response to that command is one of obedience. Will I obey the command that my commander is asking of me? And so here is, here is our challenge. Now, so then he goes on to put some flesh to it. He says, so love one another. Well, how do we do that? Well, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, so we can unpack the life of Jesus and the way he goes about loving people and setting them free and healing them up and restoring them to God and so forth. Um, but the implication is, as we love people like Jesus does, here's the implication at the end of that verse. Because by loving like this, by obeying the command of Jesus to love one another, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Now this is where there's the if, the only if in the text, <laughs> which is... In, it's not on God's end, it's on our end. In other words, how are we going to respond as disciples of Jesus, as students, as apprentices of Jesus, where Jesus is Master, Lord and King? Are we going to obey or not? If we don't have love in the tank of our heart, then our actions and our, and our relationships and so forth will actually be in vain in terms of trying to see people come into the kingdom of God. And I'll pick up on Paul's writing in a minute. You see, but before I do that, I just want to share personally. When I found, well, it was, both, it was kind of a both ways reality. When I found Jesus, and when Jesus at the same time was interrupting my life with the revelation of who he is, as that collision was taking place, all of a sudden, that I realised at the very, perhaps what you call the deepest part of who I am, I realized that I was loved by God. I'd found love in the connecting with Jesus. And that love completely, profoundly has transformed my life. And it hasn't stopped transforming my life either. Um, you may notice even over the door on the way out there. Sometimes you might look, sort of glance up and have a look, but historically over the life of Vineyard Pine Rivers, there was like a prophetic word that's been spoken over us from the very get-go in that his banner over us is love. God wants us to know, wants to know of us, will we both personally and corporately walk in his love um, if you have your Bible, open up 1 Corinthians 13. Now, this is one of those scriptures where it um, gets read out at weddings and all those sort of beautiful moments where everyone's all dressed up and pretty. And But the bottom line is the context of this scripture has got nothing to do with getting married. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with dressing up and looking nice and turning out all, all pretty. It's, and it's got everything to do with the fact that Paul's writing to one of his churches, the Corinthian church. Now these, these guys, the Corinthian church, they're like, they're like um, fully going for it in every direction, both positively 
both in a healthy way in the things of the Holy Spirit and in an unhealthy way in regards to their flesh as well. You, there's one thing you can't say about the Corinthians, that they were half-hearted. No. <laughs> they were wholehearted about doing everything, both for the Spirit and their flesh at the same time. And so Paul is writing into this context of, a, of people who want to be wholehearted as, as the church, as his church in Corinth. And he wants to talk to them about some of the excess that's taking place in their, in their gatherings. Now, some people have read this scripture over the years and they've said, oh, Paul's having a crackdown on them about moving in the gifts of the Spirit too excessively. No, no, that's not what Paul's doing here. In fact, later on in the letter, about in chapter 14 and so forth, Paul's, Paul actually says to them, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to get more hungry for the things of the Spirit. I want, you think you're maxed out in moving in the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of God that are on your life? I want you to do it more. Get more engaged in that, not less. The excess that Paul is, is seeking to address here is the way that people are utilising or, or leveraging off of the manifest presence of God to make themselves feel good and important in front of each other and even before God. And so Paul's dealing with a hard attitude to try and encourage the church into a place of health and he does that by asking them to examine how they're truly loving each other. And if they're doing that well, or if they're doing it, hoping that there's some caveats in the command of Jesus, some get out of, out of action clauses. But 1 Corinthians 13, if you have your Bible, open it up. If not, it's on the screen there for you. It reads like this. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love... I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give, uh, sorry, if, if I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. It's interesting to note there in the text that you can move in that kind of power and be loveless. It's a very interesting dynamic. But he goes on to show us what, what love is, what love is about. Love is patient and kind. But he also says what it's not. He says love is not envious, it doesn't boast, it is not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it doesn't keep record of wrong, Love doesn't delight in evil, but it rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, these will cease. And where there are tongues, they will be still. And where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. It's a great 
great scripture if you actually spend some time meditating on it. And, you know, one of the things that you could do if you wanted to actually try and get an... When Jesus said in John 13, 34, as I have loved you, um, just take that text, sit down and read it, and where everywhere that it says love, put in the name Jesus. Just put in the name Jesus. And then, once you've done that, if you, if you want to go a step further in your discipleship, because Jesus is our Lord, our Master and good friend, you can then, actually, wherever that word love is, you, you can legitimately put your name and my name, put our name there. Because we are carriers of the Lordship of Christ. This is where it sort of drills down a bit. <laughs> It sort of reaches into the core of who we are and how we're going. Paul's really, you know, succinct when he talks about what love isn't. Because what, when we're operating out of what love isn't, our lives are a, an awful clanging gong. Have you, I, I mean, there's a term that we use these days called white noise. And it's this constant background presence of noise that's wanting to interrupt our capacity to hear properly. Um, for example, you know, they talk about like a room, like, like if we were just to stop right now and just take a minute to allow our ears to hear for a little bit, you'll pick up on some background noises that are happening in the room. Probably primarily the big ones right now are those, those fans over there at the two doors. You hear that background noise? Well, well, that's called, they call that like white noise or distorted noise. It's just this constant shh going on. And in our world and in the cultural context in which we live, there's constant white noise. There's this constant shh going on, seeking to get the attention of your ear. Seeking the whole time. It might be messages that are on billboards. It might be messages on radios in background. It may be messages through the workplace. It's just constant, just trying to get at us the whole time. And, and Paul here is talking about the fact that if we're not careful as a people, we can become just like that annoying background noise as the church in the earth. And in fact, there's so much of that noise of the church in, in the country and globally right now that there's a lot of people right now just saying, would the church just please shut up because we've had enough of the noise that you guys make. Negative noise, I should say. Historically, negative noise. And at the same time, you know, I'm talking and referring there through to all forms of like spiritual abuse, physical abuse, institutional abuse, and so forth. And the people of, of the land are saying, shut up. We've had enough of the white noise, that that the church is bringing. Shut up. But at the same time, in regards to the, the proclamation and the declaration of the freedom of the Lordship of Jesus Christ as the well-being for our nation, the people of the nation are also saying to the church, shut up. Shh. Stop it. We don't want to hear that anymore. We don't want to hear that. But, but Paul is encouraging the church to understand that 
we do have a, a responsibility to be that voice that speaks to the powers, both spiritual and governmental, about the lordship of Christ and God's great love for the nation, no matter how they respond. But at the same time, if we're not doing it out of love, then what we are perceived as is just white noise not to be listened to, but do everything you can to block it out. Paul goes on here to talk about at great lengths what love is not, so that we will understand what love is. It's, it's you know, I've kind of experienced over the years as, as I've met with some folk You can tell the talkers from the walkers. Would I, that would be a fair statement. You can tell those who actually walk the talk and those who play a good game from the armchair. You know, they talk a good talk, but they're not, they're not players. They're not actually players. And the ones who, like, talk a, good, talk a good game, their love is like a resounding gong. It, 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 has, no, it has no substantive impact on my life. Because I want, to see, I want to see what they're saying in the actions of their life. And when I can see what they're saying in the activities of their choices and the way they choose to relate and love people, as they do that, I go, you know, I want to be like that. It's not a clanging gong. It's actually a, there's something valuable and precious about the way that person walks and the way they carry love. And I want to be like that. So for Paul, he goes and he says, it's not envious, it's not boastful, love isn't proud. So, you know, he's, you could go on and illustrate all of these things, but the point is that he's saying, that's what love isn't. Now, when Paul's writing this, this is the, you know, when, like a piece of music. Uh, when you go to the, well, just, you know, you have a piece of music and it's sort of, it's lovely and it's just going along beautifully. But then it starts to, the piece of music starts to build. And it starts to sort of build and become more powerful. Starts to draw you in. Starts to, and the music starts to build and build. And the soundtrack or might, that you might be listening to gets more, 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 more. And then it comes to this, what you call a high point or a threshold point. The music comes to this high point in the in the score in the sound and that's what the crescendo that's it that was the word I was looking for thank you the crescendo moment in the music and that's what 1 Corinthians 13 is for Paul as he's writing to the church he's like guys all the power is great and we want more of the Holy Spirit moving in power we want all of that but you've got to understand to fuel this for the well-being of the sake of the world and the glory of the name of Jesus through the people of the kingdom in the church. Guys, it must be coming out of this love that comes from God in Jesus Christ. That's the crescendo for Paul. This is his high point in the letter. So does our, does our, does our life together sound like a crescendo to our community or do we sound like just uh, if I was to go over there and grab that symbol and just give it a good push, you know how do we sound how do you sound 
how do you sound as well? But Paul also goes on to talk about what love is. He uses this very powerful term. There's different types of love in the Greek, but this one's agape love. And it's this love that chooses to continue loving without changing. It's self-giving without demand or expectation. It's so great that it loves the unlovable and the unappealing. Love It's a love that chooses to be active in the face of rejection. It's this kind of love that has this, I'm loving, I'm going to love you with no strings attached, no expectation of response. I'm doing this because this is what love does. This is how the kingdom comes. No strings attached. It's also powerful and confident. I've got a little question there. Remember who we are. One of the things that um, I constantly have to do in, in my relationship with the Lord, and even as a dad, you know, as I'm trying to um, parent and care for my children, one of the things I have to keep doing for myself and for my family is I have to keep reminding ourselves of who we are as to who we are not. Because often... I find it's very easy to operate in who I am not rather than who I am in God, in Christ. You see, I have to continue to remind myself and my family and people around me and the body of Christ, actually, who we are in Jesus. We are generous people, even in a context where we may be struggling for resource. It doesn't matter. We're generous people with our time. We're generous people with our emotional energy and capacity. We're generous people with the resources that God has blessed to our life. We are a generous people because this is what love is, is generous. We are, I have to keep speaking into my life and my family's context. You know what? We are a people who choose to build people up and not tear people down with our words. Const- this, hang on, hang on. Why are we talking to each other like this? That's not who we are. That's not who we are. Remember who we are in Christ? We are agape love. We choose to build each other up. Even though like the behavior towards each other right now might be a little ordinary and even dishonoring. It's like, hang on, let's just stop. Let's take a breath. <sighs> let's not forget who we are and live out of that place in Jesus towards each other. In circumstances that confront the relationships that our family find ourselves in and in people and situations that we think are too difficult to change and we start to get all, oh, that's never going to change and they don't deserve this and that. Whoa! Have we forgotten who we are? We have got the power of the risen Jesus living and loving us. We've got the Lordship of Christ in us to transform that person's life. To see his kingdom come for their good. And we are interested in the well-being of that person over there. And we're even given to the growth of each other. Spending our lives for each other. 
I have to constantly remind myself and my family, and even as a fellowship of believers, we are not individuals. We have become in Christ a people group. And as a family, we live for each other and with each other. Now, there's probably times where I'm going to go into the room and I need some solo time. That's all good. But we are for each other and with each other. And that together, our, what, what we think in our own eyes are small and maybe small efforts to see our world changed, they are actually awesome and God-glorifying and mighty to see the enemy squashed and Jesus made famous. Who are we? Have we forgotten? Because in the context of loving like Jesus loves, he loves because he knows who he is. Loved of his Father. And we are the people of Jesus in response to the Father's love in the earth today. You know, when we love people, we love them in the name of Jesus and with the power of God to see their lives changed. See, God knows our need. We haven't been forgotten. At times as an individual, I feel like, oh God, have you forgotten me? No, where's that coming from? He hasn't forgotten us. That's not who we are. We have been loved, agaped by God through Christ. And now we are his children. We are his sons and daughters. We are the ones who've been adopted into his family. We are the ones who've been anointed by the power of his Holy Spirit. We are the bringers and the advocates of the kingdom of God in the earth today. We have the power in Christ to forgive sin. Not hold it against people, but to forgive them. To forgive them their sins. You know, we have the, you know, as a family over years, you know, living a public kind of life over many years, it means that your story and your family and your life is perceived by many silent watchers. Many silent people watching. Ah. We know who they are. Pull into the school car park. Oh, it's them. Mm. We've heard about them. And, you know, it's, i got to say, it's just like, seriously, the amount of natter and poor speaking that we do of others in public arenas is completely just deplorable. That's not who we are. That's not love. We don't do that. We have the power to speak life and transformation and honour and the ways of the kingdom of God by the Holy Spirit. And so we choose, and I've got to say, we choose, even though our emotional tank at some points gets really, and you guys know what this is like, gets really scarred by what others would say of you. And their perceptions of you that come out of ignorance and misunderstanding and completely like they're just making a judgment from way out on left field. We choose. We choose by the power of the Holy Spirit to forgive them that. 
Remember who we are? We are Jesus' people. Spurgeon, the great preacher, once said, you must have a fervent charity towards the saints. He's talking about the church. But you will find very much about the best of them, which will try our patience. For like yourself, they're imperfect, and they will not always turn their best side towards you, but sometimes, sadly, exhibit their infirmities. Be prepared, therefore, to contend with all things in them. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always endures. I want to just quickly finish here. When Paul uses that word protects, it's a Greek word for covering. And the idea is a bit like when Adam and Eve chose to be disobedient because they forgot who they were as the carriers of the image of God in the earth in the Genesis account. And they chose to adopt a lie. And with that lie came sin. And as a result of that, they went and hid themselves. And what was God's response? God's response was to make a way to cover over their shame, to cover over their nakedness, to provide a way to cover them and protect their integrity and their well-being and bring them back into who they really were as his good creation. That's what love does. Love refuses to publicly shame or publicly speak ill or publicly tear down or, or even knowing the, the brokenness of another to go and speak that as like it's some sort of just... I don't know, lunchroom conversation. It values people more than this. It just it honors them and it says, I'm going to I'm going to protect you. I'm gonna I know that that's really choose it's hard for me to love you right now, knowing what you've just told me, knowing the way you're behaving towards me right now. But I'm gonna choose to cover that over and just let the love of God bear with that, that you might come back into your true identity. You ever find yourself in relationship and circumstance like that? Where it's like, right now, I actually have to choose to just cover that over. Love always seeks to cover over. Not ignore. That's, covering over is different to ignoring or turning a blind eye or pretending it's not happening. No, love looks at sin and brokenness and shameful activities and responses and love goes I'm going to choose to look at you beyond the power of that and bear with that till you come back in to who you really are in God that's what love does love always covers and protects 1 Peter 4 8 says above all things have fervent love for one another because love covers a multitude of sin. Love chooses to preserve dignity and call people up into who they are in God. Love always trusts. Love lives beyond cynicism. 
Love lives beyond, oh, been there, done that. Love chooses to believe, always. Love always chooses to hope. I'm not talking about unqualified optimism. Hope is not unqualified optimism. Hope isn't positive thinking. Remember when Jesus said to Peter in Matthew 16, where Peter says to Jesus, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the son of the living God, you're the one. And, and Jesus replies to him, well done, Pete, you've seen clearly. And he says, and I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, the rock of that revelation moment, I'm going to build a church and the gates of hell won't overcome it. Now, the story of Peter's life from that moment where Jesus is prophesying over Peter, kingdom identity, kingdom activity, what does Peter do from that point on? He ignores Jesus in the public arena. He distances himself from Jesus. I had nothing to do with him at the, high, at the moment when Jesus needed him most. Peter just, no, I can't, he's not, I wasn't with him. That wasn't me. He didn't want to be associated with Christ. And then Christ goes to the cross and the grave. And straight after his resurrection, what does he do with Peter? He says, Pete, let's have lunch. And he restores Peter's life. And Peter receives the restoring love of Christ to his life. And then Peter, he's the guy. He's the guy that gets the honour and the privilege at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, with the sending of the Spirit, that God would take this guy to fulfil what Jesus saw and spoke over him in that Matthew 16 moment, to now stand up in front of thousands of people and say, see this spirit activity? This is what Joel prophesied. He preached the first public message under the unction and the power of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and thousands came to Christ. Jesus saw something and he chose to speak that over Peter and believe that over Peter and hope for that over Peter in the power of the Holy Spirit. We see Peter come into that fulfillment. He became a powerful practitioner of kingdom, love and life. Love always hopes and it manages and chooses to continue to hold fast to the God plans, God prophecies and destinies for the people around you. For the people around you. Are we choosing to hold on to those prophetic words, destinies and declarations that God has said over the years for the people that we are among together? Or have we abandoned stewarding those? Because love always hopes despite the current context and finally love always endures this is a good one it's a military term it's a military term that word enduring or preserving it's a military term it's kind of like when a when a a forward part of the army goes out and acquires a new space of territory and takes up that new territory and then what happens is the pushback of the enemy is strong to try and take that ground back. But the, the guys in the hole who have won the ground have made a determination that nothing, no one, doesn't matter how fierce it gets or how bloody it gets or how uncomfortable this is, or like, we will not surrender this ground that we have won. That is what love is like. Paul is using a military term. 
He's saying when we live in the agape love of God, we are the kind of people who will not surrender our experiences that God has won for us and with us. The times where we have seen healing and breakthrough and financial provision and turnabout in relationships and workplace favour and community blessing, where we have moved forward in the name of Christ and all hell's broken out against us, we are not the people who will surrender that testimony of our story in God. We will never, ever do it. Why? Because that is who Christ is in you and me. That is what love is. We will never give that ground away. And where, where perhaps our emotional tank has become fatigued in holding that ground... Please reach to your kingdom family and say, stand with me, please. Pray with me, please. Because love endures and we will stand with you. As a church, as the people of Vineyard Pine Rivers, the banner over us is love. And yes, there's a whole bunch of emotional awesomeness that comes with that and freedom and joy and all of that. But agape love, agape love is the outworking actions of a powerful decision to know who we are in God through Jesus Christ. To choose to invest our, our Jesus relationship, invest in it, and let love call us up and into our God-declared destinies. Come up and into it. Now, all of this takes place and is only ever sustained by personal encounter with Jesus. Personal encounter with Jesus. And it's easy to let it go and walk away and surrender it when we have an absence of investment in our personal relationship with Christ. There's a song that Matt Redman once wrote, and it's called Worship. Uh, there's a line in it. It says, Worship starts with seeing you. I think that's the... Worship starts with seeing you. There's a line there that says, Worship starts with seeing you. Well, I want to say that kingdom life starts with seeing Jesus, is sustained by seeing Jesus and advances by seeing Jesus. Are we seeing Jesus? Are you seeing Jesus? I, I, I just feel like there's an invitation from Jesus this morning to meet with you, to meet with us. And if you would like to have an encounter with Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit this morning, would, would you just come up the front now and just stand with me? I'm gonna, we're going to pray for an encounter with Jesus. Come on up the front. If you've been seeking to move in power and, 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 and move mountains and it's not profiting you in anything, come back to Jesus. Come, come and encounter Jesus this morning.
Just come on up the front. God's going to just soak you in his love this morning. God is going to so soak you in his love this morning. That powerful agape love. And he's going to cover over all the shame and all the sin and all the stuff that wants to try and say, I can't, I can't connect right now. He's, he's just going wa- to come and wash over it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. There's, there's, there's a few more of you down there. Just come on up. Come on up. Come on. Some of you might just need to move forward a little bit more for me. Make room for those who are still coming up. That is still coming up. Come on up. That's the way. Come on up. Jesus wants to meet with you this morning. Before we, before we play, I, I, I just... I want you to dial up your sensitivities, okay? So just close your eyes right now, and I want you to just kind of dial up the, your sensitivities, your, your physical, emotional, spiritual, who you are, to the presence of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Come. Just come. it just dial up your awareness to the holy spirit that's it and as as the spirit is just coming on you now just say yes just welcome welcome the holy spirit Come, Holy Spirit, more.